Welcome back to Steph's Business Bookshelf and this week's episode about the book Brave New Work. Keep listening if you want to radically rethink the way you work. Welcome back. I'm your host, Steph Clark, and each week I show you the three big ideas from the best non-fiction books that I've been reading and do the reading so you don't have to. This week it is the book Brave New Work by Aaron Dignan. Ugh, I love this book. Like, really loved it. Really, really. <laughs> really, really, really loved it. Uh, partly because, and this would always be a bit of my bias, anything to do with rethinking work, rethinking how we're doing things will always tickle the bits of my brain that enjoy this kind of stuff so probably do have a little bit of a bias towards this kind of content or topic Uh, it's also related quite a lot to the work I do in re-helping organizations reimagine learning if you click the link to my LinkedIn profile in the show notes you will find out more about that the work I do there but anything that links into this kind of big topic of work rethinking work putting the the old 1800s way factory born out of the Ford factories in the bin then is yeah is doing something right in my books so when I get to read a book like this by someone who thinks as cleverly about these things as Aaron Dignan does then I'm having a good time normally so uh so yeah so I'm looking forward to telling you about this one this is a book I read on my reading week that I told you about a couple of weeks ago it's also a book that I am quite obsessed with the podcast that goes along with it called Brave New Work. So it's got the same name as the book, which is handy with the hosts, which is Aaron Dignan is one of them. And his co-host Rodney Evans, who's also a partner at The Ready, which is the the organisation that Aaron runs or Aaron founded. They talk about these types of topics. They talk about a lot of the stuff from the book, but not just in a regurgitating way. Obviously, there are some of the theories and stuff that they talk about come up more than once but a lot of it is them talking to people doing this work talking to people who have turned their organizations into self-managed teams and much more human types of businesses so super cool Uh, lots of good stuff here very excited about as you can probably tell and look whilst I try and stay fairly neutral in some of these episodes to tell you more because it's more about telling you about the big ideas rather than reviewing the book sometimes I just can't help myself sometimes the books are just really really good all right let me tell you a little bit about the book let me tell you a little bit about the author and then of course we will get into the three big ideas from this book so firstly a bit about the book what's stopping us from doing the best work of our lives It's the way we work, the bureaucracy, hierarchy, compliance, everything that slows us down and makes us feel less human. Our organisations are broken and we can fix them. Aaron Dignan helps teams around the world completely reinvent their operating systems, the fundamental principles and practices that shape their culture with extraordinary success. He helps them see that organisations aren't machines to be predicted and controlled. They're complex human systems full of potential waiting to be released. In Brave New Work, you'll learn exactly how to reinvent the ways you work, not through top-down mandates, but through a groundswell of autonomy, trust and transparency. And that's taken from bravenewwork.com. A link, as always, will be in the show notes. A little bit about Aaron. Aaron Dignan sees the same phenomenon wherever he looks. Our most trusted and important institutions in businesses, healthcare, government, philanthropy and beyond are struggling. They're confronted with the fact that the scale and bureaucracy that once made them strong are liabilities in an era of constant change. 
For the last 10 years, he has studied organizations and teams with a new way of working that prioritizes adaptivity and autonomy over efficiency and control. He contends that teams everywhere need to join them in the future of work. As the founder of The Ready, a global organizational transformation and coaching practice, he helps companies, large and small, adopt new forms of self-organization and dynamic teaming. He's also an angel investor and helps build partnerships between startups and end-ups that he advises. He's sat on advisory boards for GE, American Express, PepsiCo and Cooper Hewitt National Design Museum, as well as the board of directors for Smashburger. And you can catch him on the podcast Brave New Work, which I raved about just now. That's taken from Aaron's website, which is aarondignan.com. As usual, a link in the show notes. All right, let's get into the big ideas from this book, Brave New Work. Now, I have to say, a caveat before we go into it, is that this is absolutely one of those book, these books, or one of those books that is very dense in terms of the number of ideas and examples and theories and ways of bringing it to life included in the book. It's not a super long book, but it is in depth. So, so yes, I have pulled out the three big ideas, but there is so much more in this one. Some books, I think sometimes when I do the three big ideas, I'm like, yep, yeah, that's pretty much it. <laughs> that is the book. But this one is not one of those. So this one, I highly recommend reading the book or digging into their podcast back catalogue. There's about 150 episodes, I think, for you to dig into to find out more about these things. But anyway, with all of that said, let's get into it. The three big ideas from the book Brave New Work. Big idea number one is towards self-management. There's a big overlay in the book about the ideas of complex versus complicated. And Aaron is very strong on talking about the fact that organizations, given that they are made up of human beings, are complex, inherently complex. They're not complicated. And I've talked about this example before in the in another book, I think it was, around how complicated is building a rocket. There's many, many parts. It's very complicated to do. It's hard. It's, it's theoretical. There's lots of science behind it. But once you've built a rocket and you've got your instructions, even if there are a million instructions, you can build another rocket the same way using the same instructions and materials. Complex is more like raising a child. If you try and raise a child or two children the same, you're still going to get different outcomes because not every child can be parented or looked after or brought up in the same way. So Aaron talks about this in the context of an organization and says that we need to be people positive and complexity conscious. And we need to think about those two elements when we are designing work. Our job isn't perfection, but it is building a culture that's always learning, which I am obviously a big fan of. There's a quote in the book that says, we cannot do the best work of our lives under an operating system that presumes our stupidity, our laziness and our untrustworthiness. And whilst that feels kind of harsh and those words feel kind of confronting in some ways, when we look at the policies, the procedures, all the rules, all the bureaucracy in place in the majority of organizations, that's exactly it. The A lot of them are in place because there is an assumption of ill intent. There is an assumption of stupidity or laziness, of untrustworthiness of people. And we've seen that good examples of that and really not very good examples of that, especially over the last couple of years as organizations have had to work more remotely. At the centre of this or at the core of this is self-management, the distribution of trust, leadership and decisions. In The Brave, which is the organisation that Aaron runs, they, they do this at a radical level. 
There is full transparency of financials. There is full transparency of problems that may be occurring. And the assumption that the the group, the team, the members of that organization are going to be able to help solve those. There's also budget access for everyone. And everyone at The Brave has unlimited credit cards on the basis that they are trusted, that they know the financial situation and they can make decisions accordingly because they have the information to do so. So it's not doing things like punishing everyone when one person makes a mistake. One person makes a mistake, a new policy is put in place, everyone is forced to go on to training. We've all seen those things happen. Maybe they've happened to you as well. And the, the, the phrase that Aaron uses, which I really like, is this idea of organizational debt, which is a structure or a policy that no longer serves the organization. It creates layers, it creates bureaucracy, it creates slowness, and that the, it's the bureaucracy that then protects it staying in place, that organizational debt. There's a, an example in the book which they reference quite a lot and they talk about this quite a lot in the podcast actually as well. A Dutch organisation called Burtzog, which has teams of 10 to 12 nurses who can work as they see fit to get the best patient outcomes. And this is nurses who are working predominantly at, in an at-home care situation for people who need some assistance at home. And they work together in these small distributed teams around the country who can dis- they can make the decisions as long as the patient gets the best outcome they that's that's the decisions they make can can go with that and this isn't just a fluffy thing that they're doing at the expense of uh, financial results or anything else they have been rated the best place to work over and over again they use the patients who are Burtzog patients use 40% fewer doctor hours than other patients who aren't under Burtzog and the organization has 20 to 30% fewer per patient costs compared to others as well and fewer overheads as a result because they just need a tiny central team for about 14,000 nurses because everyone is trusted because there isn't that centralized all the rulemaking and things the nurses are trusted to make the best decisions and they've been doing this for over a decade so this isn't something that they've done for 12 months and been like look we've fixed everything this is something that has continually and sustainably shown to work ultimately it's this is just a big fat reminder that the way we work in organizations is completely made up completely made up just hold that in your mind for a moment It's completely made up, which means we can unmake it up and we can remake it in a way that makes sense and ask the question, does the way we talk and work actually reflect what we believe about people? Which again was this quite powerful question that's in the book around if we're treating everyone like they're going to do the wrong thing because that's how we've designed our organisation approach, our policies, our systems, etc. Does that really reflect what we believe to be true about people on the whole? So that's big idea number one, towards self-management. Big idea number two is upgrade your operating system. So the Ready in the work they do with organisations use this operating system canvas to help teams rethink the way they work. There's 12 elements to that canvas. They are purpose or the way we orient and steer, authority, how we share power and make decisions, structure, how we organise and team, strategy, how we plan and prioritise, Resources, how we invest our time and money. Innovation, how we learn and evolve. Workflow, how we divide and do the work. Meetings, how we convene and coordinate. Information, how we share and use data. Membership, how we define and cultivate relationships. Mastery, how we grow and mature. And finally, compensation, how we pay and provide. 
the book goes into all of those 12 elements in much, much more detail around how you can think about self-management in each of those. And there's quite a lot of overlap, obviously, between some of those because they're all a lot of them have interdependencies to each other. But the interesting thing is that all of those 12 elements of an organization are areas where even just the word innovation, many of us will know and you may know from the organizations you've been part of that some of those things are things that people say they want, but actually don't have the systems or the operating system or the environment in order to allow that to truly happen. So this is a good example of how to actually make the things happen that we say we want to happen in an organizational setting. So again, those 12 are purpose, authority, structure, strategy, resources, innovation, workflow, meetings, information, membership, mastery, and compensation. The, there's a quote in the book that talks about these that says, as we deep dive into these 12 domains, just remember, the problem isn't your leaders. It's not your people. It's not your strategy or even your business model. It is your operating system. Get the operating system right and your organization will run itself. So it just goes to show the power of getting those elements right, approaching them in the correct way, in a human first, in a in a complexity conscious and people positive way means that people aren't making decisions. People aren't second guessing things all the time. They can just keep on going and doing the best work that they can do. So that's big idea number two, upgrade your operating system. Big idea number three is decisions, decisions, decisions. One of the operating system elements that really underpins a lot of the organizational design is decision making. It's kind of the meta process that flows through almost all of them. But so many organizations struggle with this. And in the workshops I run with organizations and teams, I see this a lot. Either the the challenge is that it's really restrictive on who can make decisions or it's really relaxed on or a bit too lax on how decisions are made. And we often see, or I certainly often see in organizations where people almost don't know how to make a decision because they're really good at talking about the problem, going round and round and round talking about the problem, but no one really calls it. No one says, okay, how are we going to make a decision on this? Who needs to make a decision? What are our decision-making factors on it? We just sort of go around in circles. This itself is a, is a bit of a science around decision making. So there's a couple of different options in the book or a couple of different ways of making decisions in the book that are recommended. One of them is the advice process. This is where a big decision requires you to get advice from someone more experienced. So if you need to make a big decision, the advice process will suggest that or require for you to get some advice from someone or other people who are more experienced in this area. Now, you can choose whether to take that advice or not. The important piece here is that this is not stakeholder management. You're not going around trying to smooth over and incorporate everyone's advice into your decision. You're going through the the list of people who are experienced in this and getting their particular thoughts, opinions, experiences, and then making a decision based on that, not including all of that advice necessarily. But that may be the answer. So that's the advice process. The second of the three is the consent process. And this is where you go through six different steps in order to get to your decision. The first step is to propose. So if you are in a team and you have a decision you think that the team needs to make and you have done the work around that, you would come to the group and say, we need to solve this problem. This is the direction I think we should go in. The second step is to clarify. So everyone else in the group would then say to you, okay, well, I've got a question to ask about your proposal. They ask, you answer the questions and everyone listens. Going around the table, then each participant gives a chance, has a chance to react or make suggestions that might improve the proposal that you have put forward. And the 
proposer. So you, if you're the person who initiated this, you may accept the feedback, but you don't have to reply until the next round. In the next round, number four, you adjust. So based on the questions and the recommendations and the reactions you've got, you may edit the proposal that you made. You may not, that you don't have to. And you may clarify anything you maybe that was unclear from the questions you got. You decide, you can also at this stage decide that actually you want to remove the proposal, go away and rethink, or that actually you've decided based on the input you've had that actually let's not do this anymore, that I've, I've changed, you've changed your mind. You can then, the fifth, the fifth stage is consent. So going around the table again, everyone has a chance to voice an objection if they have one or the reason they think it won't work. And it generally has to be a reason they think it won't work rather than just they don't like you <laughs> and therefore they don't want to go with this direction. Uh, and then number six, the final step is to iterate and integrate. So bringing all of those bits together for you to decide to take into account those objections and offset those if necessary and then move forward. So that's the consent process. So those six steps. So propose, clarify, react, adjust, consent, and then iterate or integrate. And then the final way of making decisions suggested in the book is one around role authority. So actually just being, being really clear, like this role can decide to do things without 17 layers of approval required. So you just decide actually this person we've trusted in this role and they can make decisions on these things, which sounds really simple, but is surprisingly not present in a lot of places as well. There is a lot of lobbying and all the rest and stakeholder management that has to happen when people are apparently the head of or you know seem to have or would you would expect to have decision-making rights over things. So those are the three decision-making processes, advice process, the consent process, and role authority. There's obviously a huge amount more, and there's lots more examples in the book of, of those in action, which I recommend reading up on if this, if this is something that your organization or team struggles with. There are actually a couple of Brave New Work podcast episodes about decision-making as well, where they go into those in a bit more detail or with some, some different examples too. So that's big idea number three, decisions, decisions, decisions. So we're going three big ideas from the book, Brave New Work by Aaron Dignam. Big idea number one, towards self-management. Big idea number two, upgrade your operating system. And big idea number three, decisions, decisions, decisions. Look, if you haven't guessed it already that I really like this book, you uh, have not been listening, I think <laughs> it would be fair to say. If you're into this kind of stuff, if you're doing any work around org design, around change, around the future of work around remote work around all of those types of things please read this book I think it would be well worth it or listen to the book I think there's probably an audio version available I haven't actually checked that so you might need to do just double check that for yourself uh, and listen and or listen to the Brave New Work podcast as well every time I listen I pick up something that I'm like oh that client that would be really relevant for that client and I share the episode or talk to talk to members of the teams around those things that I'm hearing as well and it will take you down a number of other rabbit holes as well around humanocracy and holocracy and all of those different approaches to reinventing work. Now, if you have read this book or if you listen to the Brave New Work podcast, I would love to hear from you. If you have done this work yourself in your organization, I would definitely love to hear from you. You can contact me on LinkedIn is the best place to get me. I'm Steph Clark and Clark has an E on the end. You can find me on there. Or you can find me on Instagram at Steph's Biz Bookshelf is the best place to find me on Insta. All right, until next time, happy reading. <laughs>